book six chapter seventeen of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heavenly twins by sarah g chapter seventeen much of my time during the next few months was devoted i to the consideration of evadne's affairs her father made no sign and she had no other relation in a position to come forward and share the responsibility but happily she had very good friends i had noticed that diavolo was singularly agitated when he brought the terrible news that night to fountain towers but thought little of it as i knew the boy to be emotional the shock to his own feelings did not however prevent him thinking of others and the next thing i heard of him was that he had been to morning quest and waited till the telegraph office opened in order to send the news to his own people and beg them to return at once if they could on evadne's account and this they did in the kindest manner with as little delay as possible i have only come to fetch evadne lady adeline said when she arrived i am going to take her away at once from this dreadful house and this dreary english winter to a land of sunshine and flowers and soft airs and i hope to bring her back in the spring herself again as you have never known her mr hamilton wells stayed behind at considerable personal inconvenience to consult with me about business colonel cahoon had died intestate and also in debt what he had done with his money we could not make out except that a large sum had been sunk in an annuity which of course died with him but one thing was quite evident which was that evadne would have little or nothing besides her pension from the service and that would be the merest pittance for one always accustomed to the command of money as she had been mr hamilton wells wished to impose a handsome sum on her yearly by fraud and deceit out of his own ample income really ladies are so peculiar about money matters he said i feel quite sure she would not accept sixpence from me if i were to offer it to her but she need not know where the money comes from it can be paid into her account at the bank you see regularly and she will take it for granted that she is entitled to it i am not so sure of that i answered with some heat but at any rate the plan is not possible now my dear galbraith mr hamilton wells remonstrated do not put your foot down in that way i am the older man and i may also say without offence the older friend and i am married and lady adeline will strongly approve of what i propose i do not doubt it i maintained but it cannot be done she is not the kind of person to marry for money mr hamilton wells observed looking up at the ceiling who mrs cahoon i asked i don't understand you oh he answered it occurred to me that you might be thinking such a consideration would weigh with her in the choice of a second husband i stared at the man he was sitting at a writing-table in my library with the papers he had been going through spread out before him and i was standing opposite and as he spoke he leant back in his chair with his elbows on the arms of it 
brought the tips of his long white fingers together and smiled up at me bland as a child innocent of all offence i am inclined to think he did secretly enjoy the effect of unexpected remarks without in the least appreciating the permanent impression he might be making but i don't know some of these apparently haphazard observations of his were pregnant with reflection and i believe if his voice had been strong and determined instead of precise and insinuating if he had brushed his hair up instead of parting it in the middle and plastering it down smoothly on either side of his head if his hands had been hardened by exposure and use instead of whitened by excessive care if he had worn tweed instead of velvet mr hamilton wells would have been called acute and dreaded for his cynicism but looking as he did inoffensive as a lady's luggage he was allowed to pass unsuspected and if his mind were an infernal machine concealed by a quilted cover the world would have to have seen it to credit the fact i put my hands in my pockets after that last remark and walked to the window glumly but as i stood with my back to him i could not help wondering if he was making faces at me or up to any other undignified antics by way of relaxation did he ever wriggle with merriment when he was alone i turned suddenly at the thought he was calmly perusing a paper through his pince-nez with an expression of countenance at once so benign silly and self-satisfied that i felt i should like to have apologized for the suspicion there is nothing for it galbraith he said that i can see she must either be poverty-stricken or have an income provided for her she has enough to go on with for the present i answered you can provide the money yourself if you would rather he suggested in the tone of one who gives in good-naturedly to oblige you i don't care you know where the money comes from so long as the source is disinterested and respectable i had returned to the table but now again i walked to the window but i think he continued while i stood with my back to him as you say for the present nothing need be done give her time for a rope eh what i do deprecate is leaving her to be driven by poverty to marry for money my dear galbraith he broke off protesting you have been on the prance for the last half hour for a medical man you have less repose of manner than is essential i should say in fact you quite give me the notion that you are impatient but perhaps i am detaining you oh not at all i assured him well as i was saying he pursued give her time to marry again that would be the most satisfactory settlement of her difficulties she is i quite agree with you a very attractive person now there is the duke of panama already lady adeline says but she seems to have an objection to princes especially if they are at all obese i do not like obese people myself now do you ever feel nervous on that score what score the score of obesity you are just nicely proportioned at present for a man of your age and height i of course am far too slender but if you were to get any stouter by and by 
it would be such a dreadful thing i hope flesh is not in your family on both sides on one i know it is now my people are all slender there is a great deal in that i notice he was doing up the documents now with much neatness and dexterity these had better go to my lawyer he remarked why not to mine i suggested oh allow me he said with great suavity as the older man of course as a question of right we neither of us have any claim to the privilege of being allowed to help this lady eventually however one of us may secure the right but there is many a slip you know and perhaps it would be less awkward afterward if a person whose disinterestedness is quite above suspicion had had the direction of affairs from the first there could be no doubt of what he meant by this time and the argument was unanswerable do you feel inclined to return with me to mentone he asked i am afraid i cannot get away just now ah i suppose it is too soon well she is quite safe with us and we will bring her back to hamilton house in the spring mr hamilton wells smiled complacently as he took his seat in his carriage i almost expected him to thank me for the sport i had been giving him he looked so like a man who had been enjoying himself thoroughly i thought about that last remark of his after he had gone and pitied lady adeline it must be trying to be liable at any moment to have words which one deliberately chooses to hide one's thoughts set aside as of no consequence and the thoughts themselves answered nadvily however there was no real reason for hiding my thoughts any longer on that subject i had done my best manfully i hope while the necessity lasted to mask my feeling for her even from myself but there was now no further need for self-restraint i might live for her and love her honestly and openly at last and accordingly when sir shadwell rock came to me for a few days at christmas i did not attempt to conceal my intention from him it is a great risk he said gravely a very great risk of course now that the first cause of all the trouble is removed the mental health may be thoroughly restored so long as there is no organic brain lesion there is hope in all such cases but i tell you frankly that the first call upon her physical strength may set up a recurrence of the moral malady and you cannot foresee the consequences however you know as much about that as i do and i can see it's no use warning you you have made up your mind yes i answered i shall be able to take good care of her if only i am fortunate enough to win her well well she seems to be a loyal little body the old gentleman replied and i wish you success with all my heart she will have much in her favor as your wife and since you are determined to run the risk let us hope for the best and that was just what i did while i waited for the spring and to such good purpose that i became light-hearted as a schoolboy i watched the birds building i noticed the first faint green shadow on the hedges and the yellowing of the gorse i listened in the freshness of the dawn to the thrush that sang evadne and when at last mr hamilton wells walked in one day unexpectedly and explained somewhat superfluously that he had come 
i could have thrown up my hat and cheered but without the ladies he added have you left them behind you i demanded trying not to look blank yes he answered very slowly then added at hamilton house i suppose nobody ever thought of kicking anything so slender as mr hamilton wells or associated such a vulgar idea as would have been involved in the suspicion of a deliberate intention to sell you with a person of such courteous and distinguished manners but one did occasionally wonder what he was like at school and if blessings and abuse were often showered on him then at one and the same time as had come to be the case in later life he had come to ask me to dinner that evening and when i arrived he was standing on the hearth-rug gracefully with a palm-leaf fan in his hand evadne greeted me quietly lady adeline with affectionate cordiality and diavolo who was the only other member of the party with a grave yet bright demeanour which made him more like his uncle don in miniature than ever in the spring mr hamilton wells observed precisely waving his fan to emphasise each word and addressing a remote angle of the cornice in the spring a young man's fancy lightly turns to thoughts of love diavolo flushed crimson lady adeline looked annoyed but evadne sat pale and still as if she had not heard i was right about her not being likely to leave her affairs in anybody's hands very soon after her arrival she insisted upon having an accurate statement of accounts and begged me to go over to hamilton house one morning to render it as she found mr hamilton wells quite unapproachable on the subject she received me in the morning-room alone and began at once in the most business-like way mr hamilton wells reticence convinces me that i am a beggar she said cheerfully tell me the exact sum i have to depend upon i named it oh then she proceeded the question is what shall i do i cannot possibly live in the world you know on such a sum as that what do you propose to do i asked her tone having suggested some definite plan already formed go into a sisterhood i think she answered nonsense i exclaimed she raised her eyebrows i beg your pardon i said but you are not fit for such a life why in a month you would be seeing visions and dreaming dreams but i am afraid i shall do that now in any case wherever i am she sighed and then she added smiling at her own cynicism and i think i had better go where such things can be turned to good account i have no horrid thoughts by the way since i left as you like it but of course i shall relapse no you will not i blurted out if you marry happily her face flushed all over at the word will you evadne i proceeded or rather could you be happy with me she rose and made me a deep curtsy thank you she answered scornfully for your kind consideration sir george galbraith i always thought you the most disinterested person i ever knew but i had no idea that even you could go so far as that and then she left me alone with my consternation how in the name of all that is perplexing had i offended her lady adeline came in at that moment and i put the question to her telling her exactly what i had said she burst out laughing 
my dear george she exclaimed forgive me i can't help it but don't you think yourself you were a little bit abrupt you do not seem to have mentioned the fact that you feel any special affection for evadne it did not occur to you to protest that you loved her for instance no it did not i answered i should think that the fact is patent enough without protestations she may have overlooked it all the same lady adeline suggested still laughing at me i would advise you to find out the next time you have a chance where is she i demanded going toward the door oh you won't see her again to-day you may be sure she rejoined and it is just as well you bear if you mean to make love to her with that kind of countenance but i would not be advised i strode straight up to her room which i happened to know and knocked at the door she answered come in evidently not expecting me and when she saw who it was she was furious i cannot understand what you mean by such conduct she exclaimed well then i'll make you understand i retorted mr hamilton wells insinuated afterward that evadne only accepted me to save her life but i protested against the libel i have never to my certain knowledge uttered a rough word either to or before my little lady in the whole course of our acquaintance but why when she loved me she should have gone off in that ridiculous tantrum simply because i did not begin by expressing my love for her i shall never be able to understand she might have been sure that i should have enough to say on that subject as soon as i was accepted the day after the engagement was announced diavolo called upon me needless to say he found me in the seventh heaven i had been walking about the house unable to settle anything and when i heard he had come i thought it was to congratulate me and i hurried down but the first glimpse of his face caused my heart to contract ominously well you have played me a nice trick he said with concentrated bitterness both of you you knew what my intentions were and you gave me no hint of your own you preferred to steal a march on me i could not have imagined such a thing possible from you i should have supposed that you would have thought such underhand conduct low diavolo i gasped are you in earnest am i in earnest he ejaculated look at me i suppose you think i am incapable of deep feeling if only i had known i exclaimed yet how could i guess the difference of age and diavolo my dear boy believe me i do sympathize with you most sincerely this is a bitter drop in the cup for me but but even if i had known will it make it any worse for you if i say it it is me she loves she would not have accepted any one but me even if i had withdrawn in your favor he waved his hand to stop me don't distress yourself he said it is fate we are to be punished with extinction as a family for the sins of our forefathers my case will be the same as uncle don's only he added suddenly and clenched his fists only if you treat her badly i'll blow your brains out i hope you will i answered he looked hard at me with a pained expression in his eyes ah 
i'm a fool he said forgive me i don't know what i'm saying i'm mad with disappointment and grief and rage of course if she loves you i never had a chance yet the possibility of giving me one had you known occurred to you well i will show you that i can be as generous as you are he held out his hand i-i congratulate you he faltered only make her happy but i know you will he felt about for his hat and having found it walked with an uncertain step toward the door blinded with tears i stood long as he had left me ah brother have you not full oft found even as the roman did that in life's most delicious draught that in life's most delicious draught surgit amare a liquid lady adeline met me sadly the next time i went to hamilton house do you blame me i faltered no oh no she generously responded none of us not one of us not even angelica suspected for a moment that he was in earnest it had been his wolf cry you know all his life evadne herself has no inkling of the truth i hope she never will i said if it rests with diavolo she will not his mother answered proud of him and with good cause it is a salient feature of the morning quest family history that not one of them ever had a great grief which they did not make in the long run a source of joy to other people diavolo's first impulse was to go and see service abroad but he soon abandoned that idea although it would have afforded him the distraction he so sorely needed and resigned his commission instead and then took up his abode at morn in order to devote himself to his grandfather entirely and it was in diavolo's companionship that the latter found the one great pleasure and solace of his declining years the old duke had been wont to say of diavolo at his worst that lad is a gentleman at heart and mark my words he will prove himself so yet and so he has his was the first and loveliest present evadne received he did not come to her second wedding but then nobody else did except his father and mother for it pleased us all to keep the ceremony as quiet and private as possible so that his absence was not significant and afterward he rather made a point if anything of not avoiding us in any way in fact the only change i noticed in him was that he never again made any of those laughing protestations of love and devotion to evadne with which he used to amuse us all in the dark days of her captivity End of book six, chapter seventeen.